Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Weekend review. My name's Chris, and joining me this week it's Dave. Hello, hello. How you doing, sir? You all right? Yes, very good, thank you. How you indeed? Good, good. Uh, another weekend of Premier League action. Um, actually, some interesting talking points this weekend, I suppose. Um, we might as well get straight into it. Yeah, I feel like this weekend um, it went out of the kind of pre-season feel, as if it was back up and running again. There wasn't so many sort of Board draws or you know half where you want to claw your own eyes out. So it was it was good. Yeah. Uh, it also, although it did all start off with the bumper fixture that was Brighton versus Norwich on Saturday morning. Um, yeah. When I got up and looked at the fixtures, I was like planning my day and thinking, oh, this might be the one I can miss while I get to the hairdressers. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, Norwich made the strange decision of lead, leaving out uh, Timo Pucky and Todd Cantwell. Uh, which was strange. Um, I say Pucky's been on the bench for a couple of games. I did see Norwich fans kicking off on social media, though, uh, because they dropped Pucky, which they seem to agree with, uh, but they didn't play... Is it Ida? Uh, yeah, the young lad. Ida. He yeah. Came, I know he came on as a sub, um, but apparently Norwich fans are crawling for, uh, out for him to start games. I think, um, obviously, Farker's got... He must know they're pretty much relegated now. So I think he's got an eye on next season, and I'm assuming he doesn't think Pucky or Cantwell are going to be there. Um, or maybe just wants to have a look at the rest of the squad to see who's worth keeping for next season. I imagine Ido, Ido, however you say it, will be there regardless, um, with him being a young lad and uh, you know one of their own, if you want to call it that. Um, so he probably just wants to have a look at the rest of the squad and see who's who's worth keeping around. It wasn't it wasn't the greatest of games. Uh, Brighton scored with their first proper attack uh, in the 28th minute through uh, Trossard, who, who's been a bright spot for them. Um, Norwich have not not yet scored a goal since the since the the, uh, the restart. So if we wanted to be really sensational, we could say that Norwich haven't scored a goal since March. Uh, like like <laughs> the outlets say, but they've also lost every game that they've been behind in. Yeah, I mean. Before the lockdown, everyone was saying, you know, these are the, the, the best bottom of the league club we've ever had. And I think that was true for for a while. But since the restart, whether it's because they've taken the fans out of the equation or what, but they've looked every bit of championship club. Mm-hmm. Um, they can't score and they can't defend. It's it's a fairly, it's a fairly uh, lethal combination. Spurs yeah. have just scored, by the way. Oh, God damn it, Dave. I'm a little bit behind <laughs> Um, but yeah, I say Norwich from at the beginning of the season. Even though they say they lost like four 0 to Liverpool on the opening night, didn't they? They were the first. It was the first game of the season, and you know, and they looked quite bright going forwards. But their end product was a bit iffy. Then Pucky yeah, started they... scoring goals. I was going to say, did, did they equalise that game or get one back or something happened? They scored anyway. That was the... oh, 
yeah, I think they might have done actually. Um, but yeah, they 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 look quite good. And we, I remember talking to you saying, oh, "How long do they keep this attacking football going?" You know, they they absolutely bomb forward. And they just can't defend. Uh, and now, yeah, it looks like it's all all gone. And you can't help but think that team's going to get picked apart. You know, they've got the two left backs, what uh, Aaron's and Lewis, who the way the Premier League is going at the moment, the way that um, Premier League teams like to play, they're probably both going to get picked up. Anyway, Cantwell, um, I can't imagine, will stick around. And at the end of the game, he he sat on the pitch. Have you seen the pictures where everyone went back inside and he, he sat on the pitch looking? Oh, no, no, I didn't. I also saw he's got a hamstring injury, so I don't know if that's why he wasn't. He just didn't feel like moving. So. Yeah, so maybe. But so he, he, looked, he he sat on the pitch. Can't, I'd say kind of in a similar way to William Gallas against Birmingham. Uh, but he actually looked <laughs> a little bit more upset. Uh, and I think a, f- a few Norwich fans were like, "I don't blame him if he leaves. We're a shower of shit." Yeah, he's he's a good player. He's obviously got something about him, um, and he'll probably move for quite a bit of money. I would think, being you know the old young and English, he'll, he'll get uh, he'll fetch a fair a fair whack of money, which they can probably rebuild with next season. So, um, I imagine he'll he'll not be there next season. But uh, you know, as you as you said, that they've played the, their way all season. Um, and they just haven't quite been good enough. Um, so it would have been maybe interesting to see how it would have gone with fans, but um, they were bottom of the league beforehand, the bottom of the league after. You can't really argue with it, can you? Yeah, that, that, that's it. Uh, and uh, so, Carrow Road, how, how much of an atmosphere is there there, really? Well, I mean, I think it's very good when someone like Man City was in town that, that night when they had bag full of injuries and no one really gave them a chance and they ended up beating Man City it was 2-1, 3-1 in the end, I can't remember yeah, but, yeah, so I remember them. Um, you know that's the power of what you can do with a 12th man almost but uh, as we've seen pretty much throughout this period now the better teams against the likes of Norwich going to Carroll Road, going to so Man United going to Brighton in the week there's just no sort of 12th man leveller anymore it's just the better team will win more often than not do you think they become one of those teams that, that go down and come back up because they're too good for the championship um, well we've seen many examples where clubs have maybe thought that was always going to be the case you look at someone like Huddersfield who are hovering over the trap door yeah, in, in the championship I think now we, I say, Huddersfield I think we predicted last season would probably get relegated from the championship because of the way they played they, they didn't look <laughs> like they had anything about them whatsoever uh, but I say Norwich have got this this attacking threat you know I remember we, we thought they were going to be probably the best of the promoted teams and they've been rock bottom and it, it is hard you know you said about them being the best bottom place team they've played some better football than a lot of the teams above them yeah, that's that's true, but um, they haven't been able to defend all season. That's mm-hmm. been their problem. Um, I know the goals have also dried up a bit now. I think that's just a confidence thing. As you're getting battered every week, you're probably less likely to be fluid going forward, put it that way. So um, I think if, if they had the time again, they would probably, I would hope, try and find a, a centre-half who was going to really improve them. But uh, it just wasn't to be. And they've had a few injuries back there as well, which obviously hasn't helped. But... Um, you can't really argue that they deserve to be relegated. Yeah, that's it. I say they are down, aren't they? I'd, I'd say, I think uh, Farco said that he wanted, he, he predicted five wins would keep them up, and I think they've got five games to go now, and that they don't even look like scoring, let alone getting points. No, there's 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 not a hope in hell of them staying up now. Um, 
which is a shame, like I said. I mean, there's there's a lot worse clubs than Norwich out there in terms of you know how they go about their business, but uh, they just haven't been good enough. Yeah, uh, Brighton uh, have already equaled last season's points tally with five games to go. Uh, I still find it weird that they're they're so low on points. Because I say, beginning of the season, they they Graham Potter had them playing some decent football. But again, we've established talking about Norwich that decent football uh, doesn't obviously get you points. You know, look at the champions. <clears throat> um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, so Brighton Brighton are practically safe now as well. Um, so they're looking the decision to to change the manager and everything has uh, obviously worked out for them because they are have improved. The thing of all you see with Brighton is that there's, a, there's a project there, and um, they've really bought into Potter's and ideas. And as you say, they've changed from Hutton's kind of hoof and hoof football, which got them to where they are. But it was the right time to move on and uh, try something different. Um, and the way they set up the players they bought in, you mentioned Trossard earlier. Um, they're a very progressive team now. Uh, and all right, they're what, 15, 16th, which. Can you expect Brighton to be any higher? Probably not. No, not really. But, but with the players they've got and the players, you know, if they continue to buy players like that and play the way they're playing, mm-hmm. upgrade someone like Dan Byrne, someone who, you know, isn't <laughs> yeah. Dan Byrne. Um, they, there's no reason why they wouldn't kick on next season. We've seen the league's a bit of a much of a muchness from about eighth downwards. Um, if Brighton end up in, you know, Sheffield United's position next season, you wouldn't think, Christ, how has that happened? Like, you can kind of see how it's, how it's coming together. Um, and they obviously we'll need to buy a few players for that to happen, but uh, there's, you know, they've got the the infrastructure in place there to do that. Definitely. Uh, we'll come on to the rest of Saturday's games then. So there were two three o'clock games, and I suppose um, we'll we'll start with the one where all the action was. Uh, fellow strugglers Bournemouth uh, went to Old Trafford. Uh, I didn't realise that Man United are unbeaten in 16 games after this result. Uh, they came with a five-two win over lowly Bournemouth. Um, Man United fans getting very excited about this result, and I tweeted, and I didn't mean any disrespect <laughs> when I put this, but Man United fans were getting very excited over the fact that they 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 beat Bournemouth five two. So I was like, oh yeah, even Newcastle are front Bournemouth. Um, it wasn't a result to get excited by personally, but the performance looked actually did look it did look good though. The, uh, Man United's front three of uh, Mason Greenwood, Marcus Rashford, and Martial all scoring. <sighs> Yeah, and Greenwood looks uh, incredible, really, doesn't he? Um, mm-hmm. Either foot, any angle whatsoever, doesn't seem to bother him. He just knows where exactly to put the ball. It's uh, remarkable, really, for someone his age. Um, they're so good going forward. Fernandez has made a huge difference in being able to knit it all together. I felt before they kind of had a midfield and an attack and nothing in between, mm-hmm. um, whereas, whereas he just dictates the play and he seems to be everywhere on the pitch. Um he is incredibly good at what he does. Um, the only thing I, I don't really like, I don't really like Martial as a centre forward. I think him and Rashford are kind of similar. They're both like coming from the left. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know there's been a lot of talk in the week about Man United want a centre forward. I can totally see why, to be totally, to be very honest with you. Um, I think Martial and Rashford have done very well between them, playing kind of centre forward, left wing, switching over, whatever it is. And they've both got, I think, they've both passed 20 goals now for the season. Um, I think if you put a, a renowned centre forward in there with the same kind of players around them, they'll be looking at 30 goals easily. Mm-hmm. I say, uh, uh, Marshall's having his best season 
mm-hmm. this this season. Uh, I think he, he's up to twenty goals as well in all competitions now. Yet a lot of fans seem to deem him as a bit of a flop, which I find really strange. I think the problem is he, he all his uh, goals come in sort of peaks and troughs. Mm-hmm. Um, I seem to remember there was a time, possibly must be pre Christmas maybe, where he hadn't scored for a while and he was. Being accused of lack of effort from some of the Man United fans, I see on Twitter, you know, when when Man United weren't doing particularly well, um, he seemed to be the, the guy who was taking a lot of the flack for it. But uh, he's obviously an incredibly talented player, and uh, I think he is starting to come into his own now. Um, it's taking a little bit of time, but how old was he when the bottom? Nineteen, maybe. Well, he was a teenager anyway. Yeah, he was um, 19. Uh, and you would probably say they've already got value for money out of him. They must have had maybe four or five seasons out of him now. Um, and for what appeared from in today's market, they'd be looking at. Well, you tell me, how much would you pay for someone of Marshall's quality, nineteen years old now? Yeah, I say, I, I, I if I was Mikel Arteta and I had the money, I'd give them what they paid for him now back. I'd be like, you want oh. your money back? Here you go. I'll take. Yeah. Here you go. Well, that's it. He'd improved just about every team, wouldn't he, in the league? Um, like I said, I think not... what would what would Greenwood go for right now? Pooh. At least that, and probably more. Yeah, unless he's got the I'm English tax. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well. Yeah, um, I guess I'm just not convinced he's a he's a centre forward as such. Um, but he's done an admirable job up there anyway. Um, and like I said, I'm not sure Rashford's an out and out centre forward either. So I think that they're doing as well as, well as they can. Um, you would you wouldn't argue with Man United finishing the top four now, would you? No. Can you see them missing no, out? I say the I say not really, or at least coming fifth. Well, that's yeah. it. I mean, they're they're coming up like a train, aren't they? Like they they're in form at the right time. Um, Leicester, who will come on to have kind of stuck a bit. I know they won uh, against Palace, but they've been poor since the restart. Um, and then you know, as you say, it may even be down to fifth anyway. With Man City, get the sanctions. We we expect them to. Um, it, it's it's amazing how one player has really turned Man United around because yeah. it was only just before Christmas we were saying, oh, you know, they're. The seventh, the sixth, that's about as good as they're going to get. And, you know, they're never going around to Solskjaer. And all of a sudden, they're playing as well as they've played for, what, five years, maybe? Probably longer. Yeah. Yeah, easily. This, when I saw Man United fans on Twitter getting really excited, I was thinking, you know, I, I don't get it. I don't get it all. But then when I watched the highlights of this game, and I know it's only the highlights, and again, it's only Bournemouth, who are terrible, basically. Um but they, yeah, they they look really good. And I can see why Man United fans were getting excited. It's just yeah, can they pull this sort of thing off against a, a bigger side? Uh, you know, I, I think they're, I think if you, their fixtures, I don't think they have a hard running in terms of their fixtures. Um, so, but yeah, they say unbeaten in sixteen. You you can't really argue at it. Uh, the one thing I was really impressed with in this game though is that so we we you mentioned like Rashford and Martial like to play both on the left and stuff like that. And, and Greenwood's a player who does the same, but he's, he's more right-sided. But mm. they, they, if you looked for each of the first couple of goals, they were all in swapping positions. Yeah, they're very, very fluid, which is, you know, very difficult for defence to mark. Um, let's be fair, I think Bournemouth got lucky conceding just five. It could have been any number of goals. I know that Rashford had one disallowed. Um, the only thing annoying about this whole match was, uh, was Steve McManaman on commentary. Um, well, like, like, I know nothing's new there, but like every goal, he, he was looking for a fault with it. 
Yeah, well, that's, that's Steve McMahon, isn't he? He's yeah. Danny Murphy School of I Hate Football. Well, I just appreciate what it is. And they seem to spend about five minutes trying to find reasons to disallow Fernandez's free kick. Like, they seemed obsessed with Matic for being like a heel offside. But he was, I mean, I think they seem to think he was in the line of, of the goalkeeper. I'm not even sure he was. But it was good. Um, Man United's front three have scored more goals than Liverpool's front three this season, uh, as Man United Twitter was very quick uh, to be tweeting about on Saturday evening. Um, is, that say, all com- it, is that all competitions or just private? I'm guessing so, because I say uh, Martial's got 20 for the season, uh, Rashford's got 20 for the season, and Greenwood's now got 15 for the season in all competitions. And obviously, if you look at Liverpool's front three this season, Firmino hasn't scored uh, in, in a considerable amount of time. So I imagine that affects it. But Liverpool do score goals from all over the park, whereas up until Fernandes well, come in, uh, Man United weren't really scoring many from anywhere else, were they? Well, that's true. We also got to bear in mind that Man United have played a lot of fodder in the Europa League. Mm-hmm. and A lot of Greenwood goals came there, I think. Um, yeah, because I don't remember him scoring many Premier League going, game goals until like after the restart when he's had a, had a bit of a run in the team. Yeah, well, he's now become pretty much undroppable, hasn't he? I mean, poor, old, poor old Dan James will be on the first train back to Swansea this road. Because I was really surprised when it came up that it was his 15th goal of the season. I was like, oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I was surprised at that, but then I say I'm pretty sure he must have got quite a few in the Europa League. Um. Got to talk about uh, Bournemouth though. So Stanislas opened the scoring um, with a goal, another goal that David De Gea would be um, upset at conceding. Yes, I don't think. I mean, he obviously. And he not met Harry Maguire to just for just for <laughs> the lols. It's a really well taken goal. We didn't think about it, but uh, yeah, De Gea obviously tried to guess what he was going to do with it and got it horribly wrong. Did you see in the second half as well when um, I think. Dan Juma got onto a rebound and almost did exactly the same exactly thing. Exactly the same thing. Hit the post. <laughs> yeah. it, it's it, it's weird and it, it, it's not like um, like Dean Henderson's last week against Arsenal, uh, against Arsenal in the cup where he he came out and made the uh, you know and gave a bigger gap between him and the post. Like, there was hardly any gap between him and the post at all, mm. and 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 Stanislas was still able to to squeeze it in. Yeah, and then yeah, Dan Juma did exactly the same thing. Uh, so less than impressive at the back there, Man United. But again, Bournemouth don't really offer that much. Uh, even being gifted a penalty by whatever Man United were doing. Oh God, I mean, <laughs> this was just madness, wasn't it? Um, did you think it was a pen? Um, it looked outside the area for, to me. Well, I think Bayou's foot was on the line, which was deemed in the area. Um, but they seemed, didn't seem that conclusive that, that it hit him. On the arm, it seemed more like shoulder. But well, they've now said any part. They clarified, didn't they, a couple of weeks ago? Any part of the arm, if it hits any part of the arm, it will be deemed. It will be deemed handball. And on the diagram they showed, it included practically everything from from the, your shoulder. Now seems to be the bit from your neck till where your armpit is. I see. So anything, anything from the top of your arm, which you would traditionally call your shoulder, is now your arm. All right, okay. Um, well, fair enough. But uh, if it had been the other way around, had it been, uh, had Mike Dean not given it, I can't imagine VAR would have overturned it. Yeah, it that's, yeah, that's d- what I'm thinking. If Dean yeah. hadn't given it, 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 the decision would have stood either way. It was a tough one to call, but uh, obviously eagle-eyed Dean saw it from uh, about 30 yards away. <laughs> it was a pass as well, wasn't it? Somebody passed the ball back to him. I think, uh, yeah, I think Maguire or Matic or someone just, just, just returned it. Returned it with interest to Bay, who 
It's like, what do Williams do with this? And Cashlin was apparently his answer to that. So. Well, his handling was better than David De Gea's, that's for sure. Huh. Um, yeah, Bournemouth, though, they're not looking in good shape, are they? No, I mean, they cannot defend at all. Um, I mean, they scored toughly twice here. Um, but uh, as I said earlier, Man United could have got take your pick. It could have been any number of goals, really. Well, they had a sixth disallowed, didn't they? Yeah, exactly. Uh, and Bournemouth run-ins, no, I don't think it's the best either. I can't remember off the top of my head who they got, but um, they just don't look like winning anytime soon because yeah. they fundamentally can't keep a clean sheet. Yeah, it, w- it would take something spectacular for I think it's Villa and West Ham are the other two teams who are fighting for that third relegation spot, and I think it would take a spectacular collapse from both of them uh, for Bournemouth to drag themselves. So I think Bournemouth would have, probably have to win all of their games as well. Yeah, I mean, at the minute they're only a point outside, but uh, as you say, I kind of we've seen signs of life from Aston Villa this week. I've taken four points. Uh, sorry, yeah, West Ham. Uh, Villa have scrapped quite hard in all their games, so you wouldn't bet against them. Find some results sooner or later. Uh, it's Watford and Bournemouth for me who, would, who just look, you know, totally devoid of anything. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Josh King though has now scored against Man United home and away. Um, so I imagine when Bournemouth do get relegated, he'll be on the bus with a lot of the other players. Who because that te- that team will get very much like Norwich's. There's some good players in that team. It, they will get picked apart, I imagine. Yeah, I think uh, we've talked about Callum Wilson before. He he'll get his move somewhere, I imagine. David Brooks uh, came off injured as well, which won't help them. But uh, he is obviously a talented player. You pretty much take most of the front line except the defence, like. It's uh, it's that bad really. Stanislas, will, I imagine, will stay and try and regain some fitness. He had a lot of injuries, but even he looks like a good player. I remember a few years ago, he went on a nice little run towards the end of the season. But um, scoring goals hasn't really ever been a problem for Bournemouth over the seasons of being in the Premier League. It's always been the, the other end. Yeah. Solanke could find his level in the Championship, I suppose. <laughs> well, good luck to him. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, well, come on to uh, Man United. Uh, Challengers for third and stroke fourth place then uh, in the other three o'clock game. Leicester entertain Crystal Palace. Uh, so we've sat here for the last couple of weeks and said, oh, you know, Leicester's form's really taken a bit of a hit. Uh, they'd only won one game in their last eight before this. I didn't realise it was quite that bad. And that game, that that win must have been the game of, against Villa where they yeah. won 4 yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah, and they, so they came a game against Palace side who were in decent form, I suppose, uh, but came away 3-0 winners uh, thanks to Inanacho uh, netting uh, on his, again, he starts a game, he scores. Uh, <laughs> and Jamie Vardy, after God knows how many chances, finally got his 100th Premier League game. And you could tell it was wearing on him, couldn't, couldn't you? Yeah, it was definitely playing on his mind. I mean, firstly, the first goal is one of the oddest pieces of goalkeeping I've seen for a long time. Like, it's a little cross from the left. And it ends up being tapped in on the far post, and it's never gone like the ball's never gone like more than a couple of yards away from the goal. Yeah, I, I, I don't get it. He, he left it for some reason. It was. Yeah, I don't understand just, what, the, what the goalkeeper was doing. It just didn't look natural at all. But uh, Ian Ashley even seemed surprised it got as far as him. He kind of shoves it in the net at the end. But as you say, he got, he's, he's a he's a goal scorer, isn't he? He, he take a hundred of them a season if he could. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and then Vardy after last week when I said he was he was finished he scores twice but I mean his goal for a hundred is do I mean have you seen it the I can't remember who it is who, who falls over Palace in their own box but yeah. 
you'll not get an easier goal. But then he took his second, like he hasn't had a scoring drought. So it sh- <laughs> yeah. shows down how much it's playing on his mind. Because you had the bit where he missed that chance at the beginning of the game, didn't he? And he, he went and kicked the post in frustration. Yes. Uh, and he had a few instances where he, he missed chances that a couple of months ago he would have been putting away. So yeah, you could definitely tell it was it was wearing on him. But, but yeah, as soon as he got that first game, it was oh back again. <laughs> well, that's it. He's um, he's uh, a confidence player, and uh, he looked you know lost a little bit the last few weeks, but he's got it back now, and he's playing his favourite opponents on Tuesday or Wednesday, whenever it is. So that's bad news for you. Yeah, it is typical. He starts scoring <laughs> as we're coming up against them. Um, but yeah, I don't really have any notes on anything Crystal Palace related apart from what their goalkeeper was doing for the opener. Um, this was, I say, I watched this game and it was very much a nothing game. And then even after watching it, I was surprised it finished three 0 because it just, it just, apart from Vardy scoring and then getting the one at the end, it, it felt like a very uneventful game. It seemed to uh, seemed to escalate quite quickly after half time. The first half in particular seemed to be quiet. Uh, and then once I actually got his goal, it seemed to spark things in life a bit. But uh, yeah, it wasn't. I, I didn't watch it. I, I watched Man United live um, out of the two games that were on. Um, but uh, Leicester should really be teams like Palace with the team they've got. There. It's kind of an ideal matchup when you put all that pace against, you know, Gary Cahill and the like. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so Leicester still holding on to. Uh, what, I think they're, they're still third at the moment. Uh, do you reckon they can pick up their form now? They've got a win. I'm hoping not, considering <laughs> who, who, who we play them uh, tomorrow. Uh, I think um, that game with yourselves tomorrow is it or Wednesday, whenever it's it is. Tomorrow night. Uh, that'll be a really good barometer of, of where Leicester actually are right now, because. For all the are they still third in the table? Yes, they are. Yeah, um, Man United are fourth. So. For all they're still third. Um, are they the third best team in the country right now? No, they're not. Um, but obviously have been over the course of the season. The, the running's not great either. They've got, they've got yourselves. Um, they've got to go to Tottenham. They've got to host Man United on the last day. Um, they do have Bournemouth and Sheffield United in the, in the interim, but uh, you know, will two wins be enough to, get to secure them a top four place? Uh, I'm not so, really sure it will be, to be yeah, honest. No, so not the way like the likes of Chelsea and Man United are going. You know, obviously, I, I, I don't see Arsenal making squeezing into the top four, uh, but I can see them. Say if, if they beat Leicester tomorrow, they're in with a very good chance of hitting hitting fifth. Well, that's it, and as we said earlier, like, it's kind of all about momentum at this time of the season, and uh, it's not really much time to waste. The good thing for yourselves is that you've got obviously Leicester and Tottenham who are, and, who are kind of around you ish in the table. Um, They've got Liverpool, who kind of look like they've, I wouldn't say on the beach, but they're not playing anywhere near the level of intensity that they need to for the uh, the way they play. Uh, Villa away, again, they're scrapping, but you should, you should, more than a winnable game. Watford to finish with. You could pick up 12 points with those last five games. Yeah, that's it. And it it, it seems weird that we, we you could be looking at, uh, at Leicester, who were ch- Liverpool's nearest top ch- challengers at one point could potentially finish sixth. Yeah, it's interesting to see where it's gone wrong for them, really. I don't know whether teams have just worked out how to play against them or whether you know, players have just dropped form or whatever, but um, it's, uh, it's, it's a shame because you know, we, we like to see 
newer teams coming through and breaking that, yeah. that top six mode. Probably you probably don't as much, obviously, yeah. but uh, <laughs> yeah, but, as, but but as a, as a neutral to the top six uh, battle, it's um, you know you'd rather see more teams in there than the same old every season. Yeah, um, but it's a it's a long old season, or even longer this year, and uh, the fact we've had to start again. Uh, we'll come on to Arsenal then in Saturday's... Was it Saturday's final game? No. No, yes. no. Because no, no. there was an evening game as well, wasn't there? There um, was. So the 5.30 game now uh, was Wolves against Arsenal in what was described by quite a few people in the Arsenal world as our biggest game of the season. And I can mm-hmm. kind of see why. Um, Wolves Champions League hopes, though, t- took a real dent here. Uh, Arsenal couldn't away 2-0 winners at Molyneux. And I'll be honest, even I didn't expect this. I, I, I thought we were either going to get a paste in, or we were going to we were going to sneak a one nil win. I, I didn't see it being, I won't say comfortable because it it wasn't a comfortable game, but Arsenal looked pretty good in this, and Wolves didn't look terrible, but they didn't look themselves. Is probably the best way to put it. Yeah, Wolves looked bang average, which um, they really haven't done for a while now. But um, I don't really remember Wolves having much of a chance other than. Traore in the first minute, thirty seconds, whatever yeah, it was, when one when Martinez came out, yeah, yeah. Um, he, had, he had another one very similar later on where he just scooped it wide. Uh, well, I mean, you just had them at arm's length for the whole game, really, um, which not many teams can can hold them off for the whole game. But um, Arteta got his, his tactics spot on. I thought Wolves didn't really get it right playing um, playing Traore through the middle hasn't ever really worked for me I prefer to see him out on the right um, well, I can understand the logic of trying to get up against David Luiz but uh, I just think he's a bit easier to defend through the middle um, yeah. and uh, really it was as I say it was, it was Arteta who came out miles on top in this I, I just yeah. thought he got it spot on it was weird because like you see some of the decisions that were made, and obviously Arsenal Twitter being Arsenal Twitter, and myself included here in this. You, you look at some of the the position, like the, the the choices in the starting lineup, and you're thinking, what? So Pepe didn't play because his wife was giving birth. But when it was when the lineup was announced that Pepe wasn't playing, people were going ballistic on Twitter, even though it clearly said it was because he was on, you know, parental leave, basically. Oh, why aren't you picking him? And then a lot of people were like, do you remember when Giroud played? Giroud played, and he missed his baby being born so he could play against like fucking Huddersfield or something. Oh no, it was Hull in the FA Cup. Like Championship Hull in the FA Cup, Giroud played. So they were like, oh, Pepe should, Arteta should have made made him play. Uh, and then there was obviously the why is David Luiz and Mustafi playing? Obviously, Troyore is going to start for Wolves tonight. Uh, and, and I was expecting Troyore to have a field day, just running at that that defence. I, I, I'd have probably, personally, I'd have played Rob Holding. Um, but, but, no, it worked. Um, Tierney came off uh, t- towards the end. Who at Tierney had a great game yet again. Uh, he came off after about the hour mark. And, and Ashley Maitland-Niles came on. Uh, and obviously that was a good move to again to counter Traore because Ashley Maitland-Niles is a midfielder by trade. So he'll, he'll get his foot in, you know, and 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 help nullify the threat a little bit. Uh, but Arsenal fans were going mad about it then. Yet, but yet we got ev- we got everything tactically spot on throughout the whole game. It was 
it was really good to see. The only thing I have, problem I have with this is Arsenal generally do this once a season. Is they have this one game where they ta tactically outfox their their opposition uh, when you don't expect them to, and then it all falls to pieces. Uh, so I'm hoping that isn't the case. But yeah, I was I was really impressed. And dare I say it? And I, I'm sure I've said it already. Uh, why are Spurs players trying to kill each other? I was about to ask you that. I don't want to interrupt your flow, but uh, no, yeah. No, I'm, that... I'm, I'm more interested in watching Hyung Ming Son and Hugo Lloris try and punch each other in the face. Uh, I mean, that was. What's all that about? I don't know. I've got no sound on, but uh, they were they were livid. Oh God! I, when I saw them going down the tunnel, I thought of one of them being sent off, um, but then I realised it was half time. Okay, so let's let's leave them alone. Um, but yeah, dare, dare I say, it, Arsenal much better with Xhaka in the side. We've won every game since he's come back. And yeah, well. He, well he settles us. The thing with with is his problem has always been that he's been held as players as a, a sort of holding midfielder, but he doesn't like or isn't capable of you know spotting danger, which is kind of eighty percent of that rule. Mm -hmm. um, but when he's got three centre halves behind him, and one of them is David Luiz, who can you know play out a bit as well, makes his life a lot easier, and he can get a bit further forward. And if he plays twenty yards further forward, he can actually pass and penetrate. Um, his, his technical ability has never really been in question. It's always been his temperament and, uh, as I say, you know, not really doing the job of a defensive midfielder, but he, he looks so much better uh, in this sort of setup. He keeps things simple as well, you know. He just, like, he gets the ball and he just plays it off. You know, goes, you know, and he will get forward a bit, but he drops back when he has to. And, yeah, I like this formation that Arteta's got us playing. We look a lot more solid at the back I still think we're a little bit unbalanced going forward uh, but again that's going to come down to the, the players that we've got because obviously Arteta hasn't been able to bring his own players in uh, yeah, and we've still got a lot of injuries as well I was going to say what do you make of um, well firstly Enketia playing as your striker um, would you rather see you know Aubameyang or Lacazette through the middle or are you happy with Enketia getting his chance I like Enketia I, I, I like him you know I'm, I'm happy to see him get his chance I, you know he's he has that he hustle. Uh, I think we spoke about it last week. He, he hustles for the ball, which is something Arteta wants to do. Laka hasn't got that in him. Laka isn't mm. going to play ninety minutes of a pressing game. He just he he he's not capable of it. He, he's never been a high energy kind of player, even when it, you know going back to when he's playing in the French league. Um, Aubameyang's kind of got that in him, but he, obviously he's 30, 30, 31 now. Um, I know Laka wants to play down the middle. Um, but you know he does all right coming in from the, from the outside, and obviously Enketia will switch out right occasionally as well to close the ball down. Um, I don't see, I see potentially Abamyang staying, but I think if Abamyang stays, I think Lacazette goes in in preseason. I think we lose one of them. Yeah, I mean I hate to say, it, but Lacazette's got more money, less effort written all over him. He'll yeah. go to you know Turkey or one of those type of leagues where. They'll pay him a fortune and he won't have to run around. So. Yeah. He, he took his goal superbly. It was his first away goal since February 2019, though, which, which is kind of telling. You know, he does score goals. Uh, he's looked off the pace ridiculously all season, not even mm. just after the restart. Like, he's looked off the pace. He took his goal fantastically. It was a great touch and a great finish. But he's getting older. And even even before the lockdown... I would have been happy if you'd have told me that we, if we, we were going to lose one of Alba and Lacazette. Personally, I'd probably take a chance and get rid of both of them, depending on the money, if we could get decent money for them. Um, but if, if, if it's keeping one of them, don't, 
don't be wrong, Alba's attitude and some of the things around the club that you hear don't fill me with confidence about him uh, and stuff like that. But he, he has more of an impact on the team than Lacazette does. So if we had to keep one of them, it's going to be Alba. Because Alba and Enketia could do something. I don't think you would play Alba and Lac- um you would play Enketia and Lacazette together. So then you're either keeping oh, no, Lacazette no. to keep him on the bench or you're leaving Eddie out, which I probably wouldn't want to do either. No, I can understand that. I think uh, there's not that much between, really, which I would never have thought would be the way of it at the start of the season, especially when, obviously, Enketia was on loan at Leeds at the start, wasn't he? And, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, Lacazette's been probably a number one striker for a number of years, what, three or four years now? Mm-hmm. Um, but no, there's really not that much between them. And I think in the system that Arteta likes to play, I think Enketia is a bit like a, um, the way Pep looks at Gabriel Jesus in that he um, all right, he might not get you 30 goals a season, but what he brings to the rest of the team with his work ethic is probably you know worth it to other players. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, Wolves, so in the uh, post-match stuff in, in this game, there was... A lot of talk, obviously, on Wolves potentially blowing their top four hopes. Uh, do you think they'll be too... I, one, I don't think they've totally blown it yet, obviously. There's a lot of football to still be played. Uh, I don't think that's, they'd, they'd be that upset, though, still. They're still looking at a top seven finish. Yeah, I mean, what are they, sixth? Um, they are three points behind Man United. Mm-hmm. I think Wolves will have it in the back of their mind that they've got the Europa League in the back pocket, which they can totally go for in, in August when that really kicks off. Um, their running is not, not terrible at all, to be honest. Um, Sheffield United, Everton, Burnley, Palace. Last day of the season, Chelsea away, which could be you know the old billion-dollar game. <laughs> um, it could even be a shootout for the top four, really, couldn't it? But as I say, they've got that in the, in the Europa League in the back pocket if they, um, if they do fail to get the top four or five whatever it's going to take to get Champions League football Um, they were poor here but I'm not sure if they were that poor or whether Arsenal were just very very good Um, I get the impression of Wolves that they're always kind of around you know like a seven and a half eight out of ten and it's just whether other teams can match them or not Mm -hmm. because Nuno is very inflexible with with what he does it's always three at the back and it's always you know more or less the same person in front of him in this game, you're just seeing to take off wing-backs and throw on forward players and play them at wing-back, which sometimes works, but as everything he tried on, on Saturday didn't really work out. Yeah, I'd say Wolves, they, they, they were as ordinary as I remember them being. I, say, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't particularly think they were, they were terrible at all, um, but they just, yeah, they didn't seem their usual selves. And, and obviously, a lot of the talk after the game is, you know, a lot of places don't seem to want to give Arsenal credit sometimes. Um, but yeah, I, it wasn't a spectacular performance. It wasn't like your Man United performance. Um, sorry, they're, they're showing them fighting again. It's great. Uh, <laughs> it, it, was, it wasn't like a Man United sweeping you know, performance uh, or anything like that. But you know, yeah, I, I was very, very impressed, which as an Arsenal fan is something I haven't said for a while. There's definitely some, some, some green shoots there under Arteta. I mean, we sat here two or three weeks ago and said, oh, you know, lost to Brighton, lost to Man City, what's going on? The whole club's a mess. Mm-hmm. Um, and what Arteta's done is he's got rid of Genduzzi and probably a couple of others, I can't remember, and said, right, if you're not on, if you're not, you know, 
buying into what I'm doing. Just go. I don't I don't need you here. Mm-hmm. Um, and what he's got now is people like Cedric Suarez have come in who... Yeah, had a solid, uh, solid game. I, I assumed was finished, to be honest, at the top level. Hadn't played for Southampton even for a while. Um, and he, he was excellent. You know, yeah. he, he looks every bit part of an Arsenal player, which is yeah, fair play. Came, came on in midweek, scored a cracking goal with his, within a minute. Yes. <laughs> Hector Bellerin must have been like, oh, no. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, he, he looks really good. And yeah, it, it's... It's it's all looking good, but then obviously I think we've got uh, obviously got Leicester this week, and I'm sure we've got Spurs next weekend because uh, I know that's coming up. I've generally avoided the calendar, but uh, looking at Mourinho making his uh, his comments recently, uh, that game's getting closer and closer. Uh, so it could <laughs> by this time next week, Dave, it could have all gone wrong again. <laughs> well, at least it's in your own hands to an extent. I mean, you, mm-hmm. you could beat five, you know, the bottom five, and be no further up the table, depending on how the results go. At least if you beat the teams around you. You'll not, you know, you'll not die wondering for one of a better fears, will you? So, yeah, uh, we've also forgot to mention that Bakari Saka got his first um, Premier League goal, and it was a pretty decent goal as well to celebrate his new contract. Yeah, he took it well. Um, he's another good find um, who's, you know, got to have an outside chance if he has a good season next year going to the Euros. Yeah. Um, there's a few players who'll benefit from the Euros being knocked back a year. Um, Phil Foden, who we'll probably talk about at some point, but. Uh, Saka as well looks um, looks very good yeah. and versatile. It's mad, I say, because I've given Saka a lot of grief earlier on in the season and, and towards the end of last season when he looked completely out of his depth. But I don't know what it was. That decision to put him in at left-back, I don't know what it is. It just seems to have done something to him. It just seems <laughs> to have foc- He just seems a, a little bit more focused and have a little bit more to him now. Um, whereas before, he was like... Um, Kind of like Rashford was at times, kind of like a head down and run kind of player, mm. uh, and stuff like that. And and yeah, he's, he's he's completely lost that. So you know, fair play to Arteta. He's he you know, and Emery can take some credit as well because obviously he's blooded him through the Europa League and, and and everything. And yeah, whatever whatever they've done has worked. And I I kind of was pleased that when he signed his new contract, uh, he made a point to thank Unai Emery. Um, oh, nice. Yeah. So, so, you know, to, to say he wouldn't be where he was without him taking a chance on him, which, uh, considering some of the talk around the club uh, since Emery has left uh, from both sides, it, that that was quite nice to see. Uh, we'll come on to the final Saturday game then. Uh, Chelsea versus Watford was the eight o'clock on a Saturday night game. Um, I doubt very few people stopped going to the pub um, <laughs> to stay in and watch this one. Um, again, it was a, so Chelsea won three 0 it was another game that finished three 0 and yet I don't remember anything that happened in it. Um, no, this was total one-way traffic. Um, other than the last fifteen minutes where Watford finally woke up and had a yeah. few a few half chances. Yeah, Danny Welbeck um, came on and Watford woke up, which is a weird. Well, sentence. is it because he came on or because Troy Deeney went off? Well, maybe. <laughs> well, who knows? But um, no, I mean Chelsea could have won this in in first gear and pretty much did. Um, well, again, well, I think Watford are quite lucky to get away with just three. Uh, they they probably didn't expect to win Stamford Bridge, but they've shown so little in the games come back. Mm-hmm. And they've lost, what, at home to Southampton? They've lost at Burnley. Um, I, I'm worried for Watford now. I think we spoke a few weeks ago and said they were in a good position to stay up, but I just see absolutely nothing from them. And when you look at their squad... They've got a lot of players who are either past it or never really had it. They've done enough to stay up, though, I think. 
Well, they've got a point ahead of are they a point ahead of um, Villa, I think. I've just turned the table off. Uh, Let's I have a look. The they are. Um, oops. The they had thing. a good run, didn't they? Person coming, they had a good run, and then suddenly yeah. they were kind of back in. And I remember, I remember we spoke, and they were like, we were quite surprised to see them back, back in the mix. Oh God, no, they're under West Ham, so yeah, they are right. Yeah. They're, a, they're a point. Oh. Bournemouth and Villa are a point behind them. So Jesus, yeah. imagine if Bournemouth survived. Well, that's the thing. Like we're writing these teams off, but they're, they're one win away from mid See, I, I totally forgot them. I thought it was out of West Ham and Villa because they play each other the last game of the season as well, don't they? And yeah. I well, like, there's your relegation decider. I did not realise that Watford had slipped straight back into it. I think a lot of people yeah. wanted to be between West Ham and Villa, but um, no, I like West Ham, Dave. Do you? Oh, I mean, well. there's something, there's something about them. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I think. Uh, It'll be Norwich, Bournemouth, and Watford who go. If I'm, if I'm being perfectly honest, but uh, the good thing is that it can change. And as I say, in in one one day these days, there's you know at least one match every day. Um, a win for any of those three or four clubs changes the picture quite dramatically, doesn't it? So. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. So Watford, they they offered nothing. I suppose the, you know Nathan Shalabar came back in after his uh, disco ban, uh, his <laughs> former club. Um, the penalty? What was Kapuwe doing? It's like he, it's, it's like Pulisic had done something to him because he uh, chased, he came tear, he ran past three of his own players to get to him. It's just the old bull in the china shop, wasn't it? It was uh, <laughs> so bad. Um, but that sums Watford up, doesn't it? That I think with an under Pearson, it's not been lack of, for lack of effort. Um, but they're just not very good. Like, fundamentally, obviously, they're missing Delafeu and. Is Pereira injured or just out of favour or what? But I'm pretty sure he was in the team last week or in midweek or something. He, he, he his name popped up for something, um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. They've, they've got Norwich tomorrow. It's, it's yeah, well, that's it. I mean, yeah, they've got Norwich at home and then Newcastle at home, um, and then West Ham away. So I, I think considering the last games of Man City and Arsenal, we're going to know in the next three fixtures whether Watford are staying up or not because uh, if they can't beat Norwich at home. Um, I mean, that's the biggest gimme in the league at the minute, isn't it? So. You'd think so, but would Norwich look at Watford and think we could have a go at these? Eh? Oh, I mean, well, I said earlier, Norwich only know how to play one way and that's having a good people. So um, <laughs> we'll have to see how it, how it plays out. But if Watford don't beat Norwich, then you must be thinking, where's the points going to come from? Who can we beat? Jeru, yeah. um, uh, a lot of people asking questions about why you're starting ahead of Tammy Abraham. Um, but he's done alright he scored again in this he's, game he's just a safe selection you know what you're going to get with, with Giroud you're going to get 7 out of 10 good link up player he might nab you a goal with Abraham you either get a 9 where he's pretty much unplayable or you get a 5 where he's just like where is he is he even on the pitch um, <laughs> and that's you know that's the mark of a young striker unfortunately yeah. um, he um He's had some very good spells this season, Abraham, but he's also had some barren spells, which I think he's on at the minute. You know, yeah. can't remember off the top of my head. He's going to want to uh, try and prove his mark, though, isn't he? Because we've Werner coming in as well. I, mean, I think there's little doubt that Abraham will be back up, I think, to, uh, to the likes of, you know, Werner, Zayek, um, Pulisic. Pulisic is on fire at the moment. Like, Lampard spoke about Hudson Adoy in an interview today. Uh, saying that he's going to have to work very hard to even get back into that team. 
because uh, of the form the current team are on. But then, yeah, you had Werner and Vi- uh, Z- uh, Zajcek into that, who both play. Obviously, Werner can play down the middle or down the right. Uh, Zajcek can play either wing as well. So, yeah, you've got to look. You know, if Giroud sticks around, which is, I suppose is possible, you know, do we see like Hudson, Adoy and Abraham just dropping out of that team as fast as they came into it? Where's um, where's Batchway? Did he get loaned out in the end? Uh, no, he stayed. I'm sure he did. I'm just thinking, like I haven't seen him or even seen one. He, he played a couple of games when um, Abraham did his ankling against us, and I'm sure that's why he played a couple of games then, because Giroud was out for a period as well. Well, so he's just massively out of favour then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah. But, oh well. You know, Pulisic has hit, has, has obviously hit a bit of form since coming back. Uh, he's he's looked fantastic. Uh, another player who's looked really well, two players who've looked really good. Ross Barkley, I was impressed with. Um, I was amazed that was his first Premier League ga- goal in thirty-four games. Though was it really? He, yeah, he does seem to have these little purple patches where he has a good performance and usually gets a goal every now and again. Uh, um, I, I like I like Ross Barkley. I know mm-hmm. people don't like him. people don't like him for whatever reason, but I, I think it's not as easy as it looks to go and play for a top club. Uh, when you don't play every week either, like you get, you might have to bench warm and play half an hour here and there, like he has done. And when he was swapping with Kovacic every week, which was ridiculous, mm-hmm. um, you know that's not going to help. But I think if you give him a run in pretty much any team, like if Newcastle signed him in the summer, I'd be delighted. Mm-hmm. Put it that way. Like I think if you play him regularly in his best position, you'll you'll get results out of him. Yeah, I just snapped him up at the Emirates years ago when he was mm. at Everton because I say I I know he's a luxury type of player because obviously. He's not going to knuckle down and track back and whatever, but he does. He does get involved, you know, and yeah, he, he, he and he, he can make a, a very positive influence on the on, on the game. Uh, and Willian, like he's been brilliant in every game yeah, since first, the restart. His contract's up. First uh, player to score in every calendar month. Yeah, like yeah. he's played. I think. I think. I think we spoke about this last year. He's played more games than anybody else in world football. In the last two calendar years, because he plays every game for every minute of every game for Chelsea, and practically every every minute of every game for for Brazil, and I think I think they worked out he, he hasn't had a, like a break in, <laughs> in over two and a half years now, and he's, he's what thirty thirty one, and and yet yeah. he's all, all over the pitch he was involved in everything he scored in every game he's played since coming back as well. Well, that's it. He's um. Do you think he'll stay? Uh, if he hasn't signed a contract now, no. There's talk mm. that Arsenal have already agreed terms on a 250 grand a week deal for him, and I'd be delighted. Um, the the thing that makes me think he won't say as well is Chelsea fans don't seem to rate him. You see a lot of Chelsea fans like, oh, why is William playing again? Like, I, I just think they always think they can get better because they've got, <laughs> oh, you know, all the money in the world. But Williams, as you say, he's pretty much bionic. He's uh, yeah. He's indestructible. He plays both sides. Takes a yeah. good set piece. Yeah. Um, he can play down the middle. Yeah, he set pieces. He he, he works. You know, yeah. and obviously they've spent a lot of money on on, on Zajcic and Werner, who can again both play to the right or in the middle. I imagine Werner's going to play down the middle, and I imagine you you're looking at Pulisic on the left, Zajcic on the right. Is your, is your, is your dream scenario? Uh, and obviously. Hudson, when they were making decisions about contracts, it wouldn't have been about now. It'd have been, you know, towards the back end, uh, early start of this season, uh, towards January, uh, December time thing. Hudson Adoy was in a bit of form at the time, so maybe they're thinking, oh, we'll have Hudson Adoy and Pulisic, Zajcic coming in as well. Um, do are well, we going to need a thirty-one-year-old William? 
Well, that's him. He's in the dog and better get a kick, can he? It's, uh... well, that's it, and he's obviously got problems because he's out smashing models. Um, <laughs> should have been on lockdown and, and stuff like that. So he's had a few behavioural problems, but they seem to be sticking sticking with him for now. But I I wonder if they might come to regret that decision because yeah, William looks superb, and I'd have it with the Emirates. He he, he looks like an Arteta type of player because he'll work. Mm. Yeah, he will. Yeah, I, I find it strange that they're, they're willing to let him go so easy. Uh, but yeah, it could be very interesting at Sanford Bridge in the summer. Uh, on to Sunday's games then. I'm trying to remember what order these happened in. Uh, I believe you boys were the early game? No, the earliest game was Burnley and Sheffield United, which was awful. Okay. <laughs> um, right, well, that, that would explain why I have no notes on that game then. So yeah, I'll leave I mean, that one to you. Well, I'll summarise this very quickly. It was in Burnley and it was blown a gale and it was raining. And okay. um, both teams scored from a set. Both teams scored from a set piece. Okay. The end. <laughs> yeah, he got, he, I, remember, I remember seeing that Egan scored an, an equaliser. To, to be fair, Egan took his goal very well. It was a lovely finish. But um, Burnley scored from James Tarkovsky from like a free kick that got knocked down. Okay. Um, Jack Rodwell came on, which tells you everything you need to know about this match. <laughs> wow! How did, yes. not, how did I not have notes about this? The year 2020, and Jack Rodwell played a Premier League game. Yeah, I used to really like Jack Rodwell. I don't know why. I want him and like Dan Gosling with Everton. They were like, oh, these two are going to be the future of England forever. Didn't really work out that way, did it? No, he just drank Sunderland dry. I suppose you should like him for that, Dave. No, I mean, he pretty much single-handedly bankrupted <laughs> them. So. so well done for that. Okay, so might as well come straight on to your game then. Uh, this was a weird game for me because I went into this game watching it and I'm thinking, I kind of like Newcastle. And I want Dave to be in a good mood. But I do like West Ham, as I said earlier. I didn't know who I wanted to win. But then obviously it finished 2 also. so it was great. I mean, firstly, this was the lowest quality 2-2 draw I can remember for a long time. <laughs> like, for, for all there were four goals. Like, there was, there was literally like four passages of play where goals happened and then 86 minutes of throw-ins. It was, uh, wasn't a good watch, in my opinion. Um Obviously, the first goal, Lascelles—it's uh, a horrible mistake. He yeah. didn't get his didn't get his feet set. One of those things happens early in games where you know players uh, haven't fully warmed up. But never mind. But luckily, we equalised pretty much straight away. It was a nice little move. Um, Kraft actually showed some composure for the one and only time in this match with a nice little ball in, and Almiron, the goal machine, scored. So mm-hmm. happy top, days. Top scorer, isn't he? Yeah, I think he's got in all four, competitions without so like so like four league goals and four cup goals. So yeah. well that, done for scoring scoring say, a lot against Rochdale. When I saw that Shelby was your top scorer in the Premier League with six, I was like, what? Yeah, um, I know. But then they were like, oh, Almiron's top scorer with eight in all competitions. Yeah, I was like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and people say Steve Bruce has made us more entertaining. <laughs> um, yeah, and then obviously their second goal. It's a horrifically defended set piece. <laughs> Suchek looks good for them. Quite like him as a player. Seems to handle off set pieces anyway. Uh, and then straight pretty much from the kickoff, we equalised. I didn't celebrate because I assumed it was offside. Like everyone seemed to stop claiming offside. Um, and then the, it was apparent. Was about six foot. Uh, it was apparent that their left back was, you know, on the corner flag. So well, it wasn't even their left back. It's their attacking midfielder. I wasn't so well either yeah. way. And he was there with his hand in the air like Tony Adams in the 90s. And I'm thinking, <laughs> what are you doing, mate? You are clearly ahead of the play. There is no way you can think that is offside. They are a good four feet in front of you. And you're there waving your hand in the air, turning was, to the linesman. Just mad. Like, 
So yeah, I didn't celebrate because I, I assumed everyone had stopped. Like yeah, the West Ham yeah, yeah. players had stopped. And uh, yeah. So, I mean, Shelby took it well. Fair play to him. Um, mm-hmm. He's, you know, people will always knock Joe Shelby because he's a bit of a dislikable character, but you can see how much he's worked on his uh, on his physique over the last couple of years. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, he's he is fitter than he's ever been. Um, he's never going to be, you know, box to box or anything, but compared to where he was when, when we inherited him, he's, uh, he's a better player than when, than when we bought him, which I think is fair play to him. Yeah, I like Dan Shelby. Good player. Yeah, as I say, he's probably he's probably never going to play for England now because he he's um he's never been the most dynamic of midfielders. Southgate um, wouldn't pick him. Southgate doesn't pick anyone who would potentially rock the boat. Yes, exactly. So uh, that's which not happen. you know is a shame for for Shelby because I think he, he is better than a lot of England midfielders who've had caps. Um, mm-hmm. Especially in the formation we played in the World Cup when we had basically one centre mid spraying the ball about, he would have been ideal for that role. Yeah. Um, and so unfortunately, the defensive side of his game's not great, um, which is why we tend to finish uh, Hayden alongside him, uh, who does all that. Bentaleb kind of does it now as well, but probably not as well as Hayden. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a game where we didn't really need to win, and that showed there was no urgency to try and get the winner. Um, I thought we looked quite tired as well. The subs we made didn't really impact the game that much. Um Happy to take a draw and move on. Uh, West Ham have dropped the most points from a winning position this season. Yeah, I saw that stat come up. It, um, doesn't really surprise me that much. Pellegrini was there for a long time and he was quite cavalier with his tactics, I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, we were talking before the game about when we played West Ham down at West Ham and how cruel it was for him to play Zabaleta against St. Maximin and mm-hmm. Almiron and leave him as like, the last man back from corners and things which was just asking for trouble I think we scored all our goals and breakaways so you know they probably did well to get rid of him yeah, it's weird as well to see West Ham who are a team who are traditionally you hear about the West Ham way and all that and you know they're, they're, they're a team of, of passers aren't they you know your nobles uh, your fawn owls and that lot but they were just hitting long balls against you guys yeah, well, Antonio's a handful, isn't he? And it's the yeah. kind of the, Mo- the Moyes effect, isn't it? Where it's just like the lowest common denominator of football. I did think it was really weird because I suppose if there's one team that you don't want to play long balls against, it's you guys because you do tend to soak up a lot of pressure. So yeah, long well, balls coming at you, you're just going to, like Lascelles and that, are just going to hump them back the other well, way anyway. That's more or less what, what happened. Say. The, game was, the game was very, very scrappy, especially in the second half. It was just a lot of... Uh, a lot of nonsense, really. A lot of throw-ins and you know free kicks on halfway, and it was. I don't remember us having a chance other than the goal in the second half. Uh, it wasn't as bad as the next game, though. Really, Liverpool against Villa. Ah, uh, this was a waste of time. Yeah, I was expecting Liverpool to come out and smash Villa. Well, so was I. I thought after getting after, tra- after midweek, yeah, after getting trounced, and obviously been. I know there's no fans there, but playing at Anfield, the first game as champions, um, I thought they would come out and they'd thrash them four, five, six, whatever, take your pick. But yeah. Villa were defended well to fair them, mm-hmm. but uh Liverpool was so sloppy, so don't want to disengage, but yeah. they just weren't as did intense not, as did not as deserve to win. No. Um and how Divock Origi is still a Premier League footballer, I don't know as he was abysmal here. I know he's got cult hero status at Liverpool for scoring some, you know, pretty important goals over the years, but this season, I don't think I've seen him have a good game. Except maybe I think they played Everton when Everton were the lowest 
and uh, and I think he scored a couple of goals there, but he was absolutely atrocious here. Well, yes, Dodgy Zerbel on that dive. Yeah, but how, Chris? How? <laughs> how and why? Yeah, I don't know. Bobby Firmino's Dodgy's air red, which is, you know, obviously they've all been to the pub still before the game. So yeah, Liverpool. Apparently, you can't criticise Liverpool for being off their game after becoming champions because obviously Jurgen Klopp doesn't like that. Uh, but it is clear to see that they <laughs> don't give a shit. And who who can blame them? They've just won their first title at a canter uh, in 30 years. Uh, I, as I say, I maintain I will not entertain any talk that this Liverpool team are the greatest Premier League team in history because I don't think they've been that good this season at all. Um, and I'm not saying they've only won the league because everyone else has been bad because they do deserve to have won the league. They have ground out results. Um, the amount of times I think we've sat here and said Liverpool have ground out a result today, and that's what champions do. Yeah, they did wholeheartedly deserve to have won the league, but they haven't been the best team at all. They haven't. Play- I'd say teams lo- lo- a lot lower down have played better football. Um, so I-, I won't entertain this nonsense that they're the greatest Premier League team of all time. Uh, but I did find it really strange how snappy Jurgen Klopp was in midweek after they were ripped to pieces by Man City. Yeah, I think that's a point worth making though is that when Man City won the league by Edicanda, they played like it was the first game of the season in every game from that from that point on because they wanted to set records and they have that, that you know, that desire. Mm-hmm. Um I don't see that from Liverpool. Um they, they generally did not look bothered at all. No, and especially as they you know, the players they bought in, like Oxley Chamberlain and uh someone else we just talked about. Um yeah, they were the Co- they were the, they were the came in as well. They were the worst culprits. They were, you know, the, the players who weren't really up to up to scratch. Um, I thought Kaido was decent actually, um, but a uh, ball for the for the opener. From, from yeah, the yeah, I think he was told us before. He's kind of the one Liverpool fans want to see playing because he's got a bit of a bit of an X factor about him. You know, Henderson is your leader, and Fabinho is your your your, your rock in there. But uh, I think Wayne Allen's place is is very much up for grabs. Um, but they were they were poor. It was I, I couldn't stand the intensity dropping off a little bit. Having won the league, but I say I don't think you get it from Man City. Yeah, but to be fair, Villa, Villa Boston, I, Allison kept them in this on on several occasions. Yeah, I think uh, Villa were looking not to at least get a goal. I thought mm. uh, they were more than worthy of that. What's your thoughts on Jack Grealish? A lot of talk in the old man on the post group at the weekend regarding <laughs> old Jackie boy. Uh, I mean, he's a, he's a very very good player, and he gets fouled a lot because he gets the ball with his back to goal a lot and waits for a foul, um, which is you know. But obviously, kind of... obviously Graham soon has criticised him this weekend uh, for not doing enough to earn a move to a big team, which I find ridiculous. Uh, what more can he do in that Villa side? But obviously, because Soonis has criticised him, uh, obviously football Twitter now has to start saying things about him because <laughs> that's how football Twitter works. Well, I mean. He's... Is he playing as well as he was earlier in the season? No, probably not. I thought he was. It must have been around Christmas time. He was. He was. He was exceptional. Um, but it must be difficult being the one worker. Well, it is very difficult, and he's playing a few different roles at the minute. He, he started out as a number ten. He got moved out to the left. Uh, he's now. I think he played ten again at the weekend. Um, in a, yet another different system. He's got a, a target man striker now in, in Davis to play with, which I don't think favours him at all. Um, because 
I'd imagine any any sort of number ten wants players to run in behind so you can feed them. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not going to get that. So the only chance you're going to get of getting an assist there is, is crossing the box, and he's essentially going to be shoveling the ball at wide for that to happen, which you know, not that many teams play that way anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's fairly obvious to me if you put him in, in a decent team, he will look even better than he already does. Yeah, I, I think so. And yeah, I, I really, really think so. I say a lot is made out of because he's, you know, he he gets fouled. Out. He's the most fouled player in the in in, in the league. Um, but obviously that that means you're a diver. Um, but while we're talking about divers, uh, what the fuck was Mohamed Salah doing at the beginning of the game? Uh, he was just desperate for a penalty, wasn't he? Because yeah. he wants again, wants the golden boot. Yeah. <laughs> again, refusing to pass to his teammates, which he does when he hasn't scored for a few weeks. Uh, and then just running around in circles and throwing himself on the floor. Uh, the only one worse was David Silver in the next game. Um, yes. Um, but yeah, I thought that was shocking. Uh, but again, it's I think the third week in a row we're, we're sitting here and saying that Villa played well um, and considered themselves unlucky to come out with no points. But again, I suppose that's been the story of their season because that was the story at the beginning of the season for sure. I remember in at least their first three games, uh, they lost games where we were... Especially, I remember the one against Spurs where... Um, you know, we we come away thinking, oh, Villa look really good. They they probably should have picked up some points, and just seems to have continued. Um, would you make a Curtis Jones? Yeah, there's a lot of hype about him. I mean, mm-hmm. he's a Liverpool youngster. Uh, there's going to be a lot of hype about. Well, him. to be fair, I've only seen him play twice, and he scored two goals. So I mean, mm-hmm. for me, he's got 100 percent record. Them. Uh, that's the problem. But I mean, he took a score well enough here, deflected. Yeah. But you know, his goal against Everton in the cup was, was very good. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got a bit about him. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, fair play. Um, I think it's interesting. It. He gets in the team ahead of Harvey Elliott, who is the he's obviously Scousers love Harvey Elliott because he's a shit house. Um, but him and Jones have some history. Like there's a video that goes on on social media every now and again of him telling Harvey Jones to shut the fuck up. Really? <laughs> in a game, uh, it must be like an under twenty three game because he's their captain, uh, Curtis Jones. Uh, well, he, he, he's looked alright when he's come on, but. The thing is with, with Liverpool youngsters, you see so many of them come through that look all right, and then next thing you know, they're playing for Bolton. <laughs> Jay Spearin. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah, I think there's one thing to to play, but as I say, he's scored good goals um, in a couple of games now, mm-hmm. um, which is a decent barometer that he's probably got a little bit about him. Mm-hmm. Um, you'd like to see him get a run in the team, but whether he does or not, Means to be seen. I mean, if I was Klopp and I saw this performance, I'd be putting in as many youngsters as I can and saying, "Well, we may as well get something out of these last five games because." He says he doesn't those... want to do that, doesn't he? he, he well, he said, when he came well, said he didn't want to do it. He but says yeah, that. He, he still has done. Like he's still been bringing on the young players for for appearances when he's got established pros on the bench who probably need uh, games for medals. <laughs> well, Adam Lana says hi. But... Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, it, it's obviously his prerogative to do what he wants to do but uh, I kind of respect him not doing it in the relegation against teams in the relegation battle because mm-hmm. you'd be kind, you'd be a bit miffed if you were you know Watford and Liverpool are playing their under-23s against Villa um, but if he wants to do it against you or Chelsea or whatever happily happily right. happily play that <laughs> although they drew 5 all with us last time they did this that's true um, Trent Alexander-Arnold, a lot of talk this weekend because he stepped up into midfield uh, towards the end of the game uh, with Jordan Henderson again doing his usual finger sl- uh, slopping back in. So there's talk that potentially they could be looking at moving him back into uh, midfield for next season because uh, they've got, uh, is it, well, not Wells, what's his name? 
uh, Nico Williams. Nico Williams, actually the young Welsh lad who's who's looked really good. Out, out of all the Liverpool youngsters I've seen in the last couple of seasons, he has he's impressed me the most. Um, but obviously he's not going to get Trent Alexander Arnold out of that side. Uh, but say, apparently I didn't know Trent Alexander Arnold started as a mid, as a as a central midfielder, and he's a very highly rated around the club in that role. Um, so that could be uh, that could be where a youngster gets into the team, I suppose. But when you've got him and Robertson playing the way they do, because most of their goals come from them, pair. they're not coming from their midfielders, are they? You know, do you no, change that up? But yeah, I, I thought that was an interesting conversation that seemed to be going around. No, I mean, I don't see why you'd change him from where he is now. He's he's he's, he's their main focus of everybody, every attack, isn't he? Um, from right from right back, I think he's moving to centre mid. He won't have anywhere near as much space. Um, I think fair play to Andrew Robertson for having what must be a, a week long hangover because he was atrocious here again. Yeah, if you could keep drinking for another couple of weeks, <laughs> I'd be fine by me. Um, but yeah, I say I don't blame Liverpool for going off the boil at all. You know, I know they had some records uh, to chase and whatever, but you know, they get they get their winners medal at the end of the season. They could lose every game four 0 now, and I don't think that it would mean an awful lot to them. No, probably not. Um, they must have a fair chance of. Uh, they, they can still beat the point record, can they? Uh, I don't are, think they can now. Well, they're on eighty nine points with 15, 15 available, so they can get one hundred and four. Well, it might be. I think the record's 103, isn't it, maybe? So maybe they can. Um, interesting, though. Liverpool have won every home game this season. I know. It's not hard to see where the champions is. That's ridiculous, isn't it? And like, we'll come on to Man City in a moment, but I think Man City have now lost seven games this season, or eight games this season. Uh, Liverpool haven't lost that many games in the league across three seasons. <sighs> Yeah, it's well, a mad it's record. Been, it's a mad record for a team who I will openly say aren't playing that well. It's just been a gradual power shift, though, hasn't it? From you know Man City's dominance to Liverpool, mm-hmm. kind of tilting the balance slowly but steadily over the last few seasons, and now look at it, the the, the twenty three points better off. Do you, think, <laughs> do you think Liverpool can maintain it though? Do you think that we'll see that this the um, same Liverpool next season? I think they've been quite fortunate with injuries. Um, mm-hmm. That front three haven't really had many. Uh, and I think if Marnie in particular got a long-term injury, it'd be very interesting to see what happens because every time they bring in a Minamino or, a, or an Origi, they, they don't look anywhere near as good. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we found with Man City last season was De Bruyne got injured and they didn't miss him. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think, I think it's the same thing happened to Liverpool, which law of averages is that one of their key players will get a, a big injury sooner or later. And I don't necessarily mean you know, like a cruciate, I mean like a couple of months or anything that will make them miss you know, maybe 10 or so Premier League games. Anything like that happens, it'll be very interesting to see how they respond. How about if they lost one of their big, they, well, they're, they're all big players I suppose, but you know, the likes of uh, Milner isn't going to last forever. Um, there's still talk that Salah could leave and don't get me wrong, obviously I know he's probably enjoying himself in Liverpool, I think if uh, Barcelona or Real Madrid came in for him, his head would turn very quickly. Um, that's what only he knows answer to that. But yeah, I think if any of them left, they're difficult to replace because it's it's not as easy as just playing in a four-three-three, whatever you want to call it. Like this, you know, I imagine working for Klopp is a you know, you've got to learn how it all works and when to press and all this is stuff that goes with it. Um, the way I say Liverpool is they've got. You know, eleven title-winning players, 
and their squad, the rest of them aren't really anywhere near that. I think when you start dropping players, Joe Gomez misses a game and Lovren or Matty comes in, they're worse off. Matip was alright though before the, the last yeah, well, if anything I mean, Gomez has made quite a few ricks yeah true coming back. you look at the two full backs and there's not really a great deal of depth there like Milner or as you say they've got the young lad come through but they're unproven Milner's probably too old to play full back now but he has done on a few occasions um, any of those centre mids go out particularly Fabinho like it's a, it's a big miss Um and then you're looking at you know the likes of Lalana up front who are going to be replaced. Uh, he's so, going well, to leave. Leaving, isn't he? He's, yeah. His contract's up and he's going. Um, but as I say, I've seen nothing from Minamino to suggest he'll be any good. But he's he's adapting the league, so we'll, we'll give him some some leeway. But yeah, there's um they need to sign a few players, I think. Uh, so there's talk of them signing uh, Thiago from from. Um from Bayern Munich who obviously would kind of fit into their midfield I suppose um, but yeah if one of those front three it's, I think it would be very difficult to obviously for, for me I was getting a bit of a kick in from, from, from non-Liverpool fans at the moment because he doesn't score goals but I think we've spoken about how it's other things he brings uh, you know he brings the other two into the game spectacularly well but yeah if Mane or Salah anything must happen to them like I don't even I couldn't even think of who you could buy to, to re- replicate the way they play. No, well, I mean, Timo Werner would have been a good a good shout yeah. that he's yeah. versatile to play across, but apparently Klopp didn't want to pay the, the money. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, don't know. They don't play a traditional striker, so you're not going to go out and spend big money on you know, on a, a traditional striker. You're, you're looking at someone who... who, who like, yeah, Mbappe is probably the only player I can think of who <laughs> would fit what is their, apparently their transfer policy. They won't... Like they, they've pulled out the race for Koulibaly because they won't spend money on a 29-year-old, even though he's a central defender. You know. Well, it's hard to knock it when it's worked so well for them, but uh, I just think the law of averages are the, the, one of their key players will get an injury next season, and it'll be that'll when we'll see how how, how well they're able to cope without them. Because yeah, they've delayed the African Nations Cup as well, haven't they? Which is a big deal for Liverpool. Well, it's also worked out that um, it would have been the Olympics this summer and Salah was going to go and play for Egypt. Um, obviously, that's that what, won't that's happen what I think about Salah. It's just from the way he plays, you can tell he's all about himself. So yeah. If he's got the option to go and win medals, obviously, like going to the African Nations Cup, going to the Olympics, or going to play in a team. Don't get me wrong, Liverpool have won the Champions League and they're very successful in it. But if Real Madrid or Barcelona come calling, I, I generally think he would leap at the chance to just because that's the only way he's taking the next step if you know what I mean he's a big player at Liverpool but playing for Real Madrid or Barcelona that's the for club football that's the very top of the game mm. yeah I think you're probably right but obviously you know I don't like him I, 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 there's just something about him I don't like but obviously I think Liverpool fans would be uh, very disappointed to see him go and it would be very hard for him to replace him so I imagine they'd have to get a lot of money for him if it were to happen anyway, so maybe he won't. Uh, on to last season's champions then. Uh, they celebrated beating Liverpool 4-0 by going and losing to Southampton. Yeah. I don't know how they lost this match. I mean, firstly, Chatham's what a goal. Yes, we spoke about him last week, you know, saying Southampton fans, you know, they, they, they're very positive and they just went to score that goal and boy, did he open his account in style. Yeah, he's, he's very well liked. So I noticed on Twitter from Southampton fans like, oh, you know, so pleased for Che, so on and so forth, which you would be. But what a way to open your account. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but after that, I mean, 
how Man City didn't score, I just don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so, Southampton's back five had the games of their life. Yeah, absolutely brilliant, a lot of them. And uh, obviously, rode the luck, I think it was Fernandinho, was it, hit the inside of the post? Um, in the, it was between the first half, I think. But the keeper made a number of saves, a few scrambles. Um, yeah, I mean, when you beat Man City like that, everything's got to go for you. Yeah. Um, and, it, and it did just. But okay. the thing about Southampton is, those had a few chances themselves. Like this is yeah, as yeah. good as as I've seen anybody play. Only the underdogs play against Man City, and that they mm-hmm. defended tr- tremendously well, but also carried a threat. Yeah. Um, and you know they could they could have had a second on the break a few times. Yeah, and this is Southampton too. This is only their fourth home win of the season. Their home record has been abysmal. Yeah, exactly. And and they so... go and beat Man City. A lot was made that Man City changed six players, but when you're bringing in like Cancelo. Uh, and and the and the likes of that when you're making changes, it's not really the same, is it? Mm. Yeah. Um, no, Sinchenko I mean, I thought, was one who came in though, and uh, obviously had a, a big part to play uh, in the goal. Not the first time he's done that this season. Yeah, it's just it's not it's not Man City quality. Is he? Like he's they've actively tried to sell him in yeah, the, no. the last four windows. They've agreed deals with Wolves twice, and he <laughs> refuses to leave. Stop <laughs> picking him. I know. I mean, you know, I'm all for giving the youth a chance, but it's like this is their backup left back essentially. Yeah, he's better than he, Mendy though, isn't he? Because Mendy's been dog shit. Oh, uh, I, I don't know. Like when Mendy, when Mendy's fit and good, like he's he is a he, he, also, imp- he improves. I've seen him good since he was wearing a Monaco shirt. Mm. So he's been abysmal uh, this season every time I've seen him. But uh, I thought Cancelo was very good at right back. I thought he uh, he added something, you know, not Kyle Walkery. Well, he can uh, play left back as well, so maybe he could, you know, yeah. drag Zinchenko out of the club. Um, well, yeah. someone's um, going to do it. What do you make of Gabriel Jesus? I don't like him. I don't rate him. Um, okay, I said, it's like, like I said earlier, um, it's like Pep's picked him and he said, right, I'm not going to be wrong here. And the the drop-off between him and Aguero is so big, even though Aguero's getting on well, an Aguero's age. Aguero's amazing, though, Dave. That's the problem. Well, yeah, but if you're a club of Man City size, why do they keep persisting with putting Jesus in and then in quite a lot of games, I know at the minute they've got no choice because of injury. But but his goal uh, scoring record is really good. Yeah, I find he this plays, so he, weird because he, he plays against terrible teams. Like Man City fans got... hate him, and I was really surprised. I was really surprised to hear you say that you didn't rate him. I, I just think he he doesn't deserve to be where he is. Like, I've seen nothing to suggest he should be playing for you know a, a, a top two club, which is what he is. Um, and I just I say that the difference between him and uh, and Aguero is so huge, and yet. Pep seems at a strain to pick him ahead of Aguero as often as he can, and I know it's Pep and he's re-rotated his squad massively. But like Aguero scored hat tricks in in the big games, and Jesus mm-hmm. can can't score against fucking Southampton at home. Like, <laughs> yeah. and he hasn't scored in well, he hasn't scored since the restart. I think has he? Uh, I don't know. Just despite playing against some fairly terrible teams in that in that run. I was I was I was so surprised. Obviously, he missed that setup in this game, and like I was so surprised to see Man City fans absolutely ripping him apart, like talking like he was Dominic Solanke. Or I, something I would. Like that. And I like, would. Ra- I think he's I was not as good City. as Aguero because I don't think anyone in the Premier League is as good as Aguero. Um, oh no! But if he rocked it's... up, if he rocked up at Newcastle, would you be disappointed? Uh, well, we'd say good luck to him. Like I hope he like ch- I hope he like chasing lost causes. <laughs> Um, that's the problem. Like he hasn't, he's come from. Uh, I'm assuming he was in Brazil beforehand. I can't remember yeah, which club exactly, idea. but he hasn't really had like that that barometer to t- test him against. He's gone from 
a fairly unknown quantity to us, which is the Brazil League, yep. to play in at the very top level. The only thing uh, I can think that goes against him is he obviously he's, he's not an Aguero number nine, but then Man City don't really play that kind. Of, I think this is why Aguero drops in and out of their team because they don't play that. They're very similar to Liverpool. They play this kind of floating football, which is why they were so successful against Liverpool in midweek because yeah. they put Phil Foden on Andy Robertson, and Phil Foden just literally walks across the pitch and goes wherever he wants so Andy Robertson's following him and then not knowing once he gets like 10 yards away from the, the, the shrine doesn't know where he is what I was about to say was that with Jesus what he does do is he, he makes Sterling uh, much more of a threat mm-hmm. um, which I, I, if I was Man City I'd probably play Sterling through the middle to be quite honest with you I think he, he's shown more of a, an appetite for goal scoring than, than Jesus has um, in the last 18 months or so Um but he still has a really good scoring record. I'm sure he's got like 60-odd goals. Oh, that's a, I can't remember. They were talking... Because it's what what prompted it as well is... I was watching... Um, I think it was the highlights of one of the games last weekend where they were talking about... On Match of the Day, they were talking about how good Gabriel Jesus is and his scoring record and everything like that. And then we come to the very next weekend and he's getting a, an absolute ripping from his own fans. Well, he probably doesn't deserve that. I mean, uh, as you say, his goal, his goal scoring record's decent enough, but... Thirty-seven it, goals in ninety-four appearances in the Premier League. That's a decent enough. Oh, it's decent enough, but I think the, the games he plays in, I'd probably expect it to be better. When you think the amount of goals Man City have scored in that time as well. Yeah, you know, he, he, although he did only score seven goals in one season. Um, <laughs> He's the John Joe Shelby of this team. <laughs> He's your top scorer, Dave. You can't mind. Yeah, no. <laughs> you know, I, I like him. I just, I just thought it would. It, it, I'll tell you what, he, he, would, he would fit into Arsenal's team like a glove. He would do a yeah. tremendous job in there. But uh... I think he'd fit into most teams now, especially with the way teams don't play a traditional number nine. I think he would fit into, into most teams. Well... He probably would, but as I say, like we haven't really got that comparison to make because he's never played anywhere other than Man City whilst in Europe. Uh... He's not going to leave, is he? Because Pep loves him. Well, exactly. Although, he's been... did you hear Pep's comments in the week? Uh, I think, no, it, I I think t- it came after this game. Actually, it must have come after this game. So he was asked about like I think that it might have been before. Actually, they asked him about obviously how they just beaten Liverpool uh, and whatever, and yet Liverpool were so far ahead of them in the in, in the in the Premier League. And whatever, and he basically said that. And they were like, oh, "Are you going to go into transfer?" It was it was before this game, and they were like, oh, "Are you going to go into transfer market and sign some players so, so you can challenge Liverpool next season?" And he was like, "Buying players will not fix the problems at this club." Hmm. <laughs> and I was like, "Is he gearing up for this transfer ban being upheld and then leaving?" I imagine that. Uh, not the transfer ban, the Champions League ban, isn't it? I think they find out this week. Yeah, the thirteenth, I think they said, yeah. or something like that. But yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of the next big chapter, isn't it? I mean, if it, if it gets upheld, God knows what happens then. Be interesting to see who stays and puts up with you know no European football for a couple of years. But yeah, very very interesting. Do, do you think it'll be withheld, upheld, or do you think they'll? Uh... I kind of hope so. Now that Arsenal are in an outside chance. <laughs> um, I don't know because yeah, it depends what happens. It could either make them really want to, if they if Man City knuckled down and just had only had the Premier League to concentrate on, they'd walk it every season. I think. Um, but then yeah, do do players leave? Does Pep leave? Does it affect their ability to sign players for a couple of seasons? I'm not sure with the money they've got. Um, 
And what have you? So I, I'm, I'm not really that sure. It, but for the bants, it'd be funny, wouldn't it? To see up Um, yeah, I think what'll happen is they'll they'll get um they'll get it half to one year rather than the two. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think to be honest, the way the world's going probably isn't the worst thing to miss out on Europe for a year because I can't imagine it's going to be the same for for a while. I was going to say, and you're looking at potentially fixture congestion. Coming up because oh, there's not 100%. gonna be much of a I don't think there's gonna be much of a break before the next season happens. Obviously Scotland announced their fixtures today and they're kicking off in August as normal. Obviously their, <laughs> season, their season was ended. Yeah. There's talk yeah. that the non league will be back up and running by September. Um so I think if anything you're looking at potentially what the next season coming in September, it's only a two week delay, uh, considering they've had a three month delay to this uh, season. I just don't know how like any of these lower lower level clubs are gonna be able to function if they can't have fans, like I just don't see where the income's gonna come from. Apparently there's some kind of FA grassroots programme coming in, isn't there? Oh, is there? And, and and stuff like that. Um you know, club the Premier League put money into a pot, didn't they? And that's gonna be used and I don't, I, I don't know, but I say the talk. Yeah, the the talk we're hearing is is September non-league football would back up and running. You know, whether that be you know sun, you know Sunday league. What's stopping Sunday league clubs just starting to play again? Yeah, well, yeah. Mm, it's gonna be interesting to see how what happens over the next few weeks because uh, we're gonna have to make decisions soon, as you say, because they've got to sort out next season's fixtures really haven't they so. I'm more interested to see what's the, the, so there's all this talk that the transfer window is going to be completely different obviously there's not going to be enough money thrown around uh, and stuff like that Chelsea are still spending money and you can't imagine for a second that any uh, club with ambition I think I said about uh, Arsenal last week if Mikel Arteta goes to the club and says I want to spend 50 million revamping this team for example and the board say well no coronavirus we can't do that and he turns around and goes, well, these guys down the road have just spent £100 million on two players. <laughs> and they're in exactly the same situation as us. And they're probably not as cash-rich as we are. So get the old checkbook out, please. Yeah. yeah. I saw him interesting today that the transfer window will open for one day on July the 1st. For clubs um, to register yeah. new signings, isn't it? Yeah. 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 And then... It's, uh, it's so players out of contract. So like your Ryan Fraser's, they don't have a breaking income. Ah, uh, so it must have been July the thirtieth, was it, or July thirty first, or something? Because obviously July the first has been gone now, hasn't it? So. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, there's going to be they're going to yeah they're going to allow allow players to literally on the day that they would normally be available to sign or something like that. It's, they've kept the delay as as low as possible, as as small as possible. So players who so like your Ryan Frazier's, your um, Jordan Ibes. <laughs> your Bournemouth players basically uh, <laughs> can then yeah go and go and be registered at other clubs. Uh, right. But I think they've had to delay it till the fixtures are finished because obviously you have got your Williams as well. Yes, yeah, he, I know, he, I know they're not. He's currently registered, but will want to be registered with somebody else. I see. Oh well, I mean that's so, yeah. that's fair enough. But... Proper weird. Yeah. So they get a, a day to do that, then it'll shut again, and then uh, it'll reopen on. Probably the day after the Champions League finishes, I guess. I don't really know, but yeah, because technically Timo Werner is unemployed at the moment. Yeah, so he's, he's training with Chelsea, isn't he? But he's not yeah, allowed yeah. to play for them. Um, yeah, because uh, normally the normally the reason he wouldn't be able to play is the registration rules. So you can only be registered to so many clubs within a certain period to stop you being loaned out every every week to a different club and what have you. Um, but they've relaxed that rule. But yeah, basically his contract with um, Leipzig has ended. Um, but his new one with Chelsea hasn't actually started. 
somehow. He yeah. tweeted. So, oh, well. Yeah, very strange. I imagine Chelsea have got some kind of deal where they're getting in money from somewhere. or Because I think his Leipzig contract actually had time to run. So he could actually still be paid by Leipzig. Um, and Because the, they technically will still hold his registration. Because I found it very weird that he turned and said, well, I'm not playing in the Champions League, now it's time for Chelsea. But like, well, technically you haven't signed for Chelsea until the transfer window opens. I'll tell you what, man, for someone like Leipzig, <coughs> they're never, never going to get a better chance to win the Champions League and that they're essentially playing three one-legged ties in a neutral venue. <laughs> I mean, God, it's... Uh... It's Man City as well must be loving it, assuming they see off Real Madrid in the second leg. Yeah, what's happening with that though? Because it's the second leg, but it's suddenly being played at a neutral venue. It's not. It's being played at the Etihad. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, so it's the same I with. Thought that it wasn't going to be, wasn't it? I think they said today that um, all the the second leg is going to take place in the the right venues, um, and then from then on, everything is in a neutral venue in. Did we say Portugal or Germany for the yeah, Champions no, League? It is Portugal for the Champions League, Germany for the Europa League, which I find right. really weird. It is weird, isn't it? but never mind. I mean, I think I'm looking forward to it. I think that's quite a good idea. And I'll tell you what, if it goes well, you wouldn't be surprised to see some of this come in permanently. Mm-hmm. There's a lot less travel involved. It's more of a tournament environment, isn't it? Which I think. Well, exactly. That's what it comes down to. As isn't? many games as possible. Oh yeah, but if they could have a couple of these a season instead of international breaks, for example, yeah. um, and then do the international breaks somewhere other some other time, I don't know. It, it's something to think about anyway. Uh, right, that's all the games discussed from this weekend. Uh, we've got a full round of fixtures in midweek again, uh, uh, including the Arsenal Leicester game that we talked about. Uh, just so we can say we've pretty much covered it. Tottenham uh, beating Everton one nil with a few minutes to go. Uh, the most interesting thing was Tottenham's players trying to kill each other uh, at half-time, but we still don't know why. It's been a spicy game. Mate. There's been quite a few bookings for uh, just horrible fouls, to be honest. <laughs> I'm so I hoping think... that Everton's got something out of this game. Uh, well, they've got a corner. Great. I know. They should celebrate that. Um, yeah, uh, what, what interesting fixtures are there? There's not really any interesting ones, is there? In the midweek, no, no, I say Norwich Watford is probably the, the interesting one. I'd love Norwich to get now. Now the Watford are in the shit. I'd really love um, that. Uh, you boys are playing uh, Manchester City at the Etihad. Yeah, I mean everything about this is bad. Like Bruce has already said, St. Maximin won't play because he's knackered. Um, so that's our most watchable player out. And they're playing against Man City, who rested most of their good players on Sunday for this game. So <laughs> yes, there, yes. there's just nothing to get excited about. And now I've flagged off Gabriel Jesus, who's probably helped himself to a hat-trick. To be fair, every week we've said something about a couple of players. I think we had to go at Martial the one week, and he scored a hat-trick <laughs> the week after. Uh, Che Adams we spoke about last week. He scored his first goal this week. Uh, Vardy as well. Yeah, yeah. Vardy, yeah. Um, so Great. Gabriel well, let's go on record to say that um, Andy Carroll is a poor, poor striker. <laughs> a shadow Andy of the man he used to be. Yeah, Andy Carroll and Joe Linton are never, ever going to score again, are they? <laughs> Either of them. Either of them. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, looking at the fixtures for next weekend, there's nothing that really jumps out. Um, but I'm sure it'll be as entertaining. So it does seem to be getting more entertaining by the week, thank God. Because, like, yeah, last week wasn't great. Uh, oh. Please pimp your stuff, Dave. Uh, so you can follow my nonsense on Twitter at cm9798 and the website full of Champman blogs is cm9798.co.uk. Excellent. 
You can find us at Man on the Post on everything. Uh, you can check out all the other shows. So we've got uh, Ross has got some lower league championship thing going on uh, at the moment because Leeds are still winning. Uh, although they, did they win this week? I can't they did. They beat Blackburn three one. Oh, there you go. So Dave likes to keep the boss happy by keeping on. Yes. Uh, you've got the extra time time guys uh, covering up the previews for the week and obviously any European fixtures. Uh, you've got the Champ Man on the Post episodes that go up every month. There's just been one. It was very good. Um, I hadn't heard Mark Duffy talk about anything in ages. Yeah, so it was well. a, a blast from the past. I actually forgot he was still working there. Well, there you go. Uh, uh, and yeah, that's about it. Am I missing any of the other shows that are going out? Probably. Uh, I don't know if the... Um, the European shows have been going up. I can't remember. No, well, we've, had, we've, still got extra, we've still got extra time on a Friday yeah. and Saturday, and then we've got uh, Ali and uh, Ali and friends. Oh yeah, Ali's doing a midweek <laughs> midweek review as well. Yes, I say I thought there was something I was missing. I think we've got new Simon uh, Simon the Villa fan, so mm-hmm. he's uh, all right for a Villa fan. Uh, well, that's not saying much, but I suppose if Ross keeps his championship podcast going, he can c- contribute to that next season. <laughs> Oh, I hope they stay up and Watford go down. Oh, Watford being relegated would be so good. Um, oh, and you'd, you'd just laugh at Troy Deeney for, for months. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what? If Troy Deeney joined Arsenal, I think I'd stop supporting him. Um, <laughs> right, that's it. I'm going to leave it there. Thank you very much for joining me, Dave. No, thank you. It's been a pleasure as always. And always remember to keep...